You're listening to The Next Dimension. Dragon Ball Z presents 10 Seconds from Death, The Four Dead Heroes, and Zarbon's True Power. 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 Doragon, Doragon Power! Doragon, Doragon Power! Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. My name is Jesse Garrett, and I'm here with my co-host, Donovan Morgan Grant. Hello again. Yes, we're back. And um, we're going to continue on with the Namek Saga. Uh, before we do that, however, we are going to answer some feedback. Uh, feedback's pretty... Getting right into it. Feedback's pretty uh, average for this episode. Not a good thing. Or, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Not a bad thing. <laughs> no more feedback. Bad. We hate you guys. <laughs> Never again. No, no, no. Uh, we have three emails tonight. Uh, actually, we're moving pretty fast. I better slow down. There's a lot to cover. But we do have three emails. So, uh, without further ado, uh, getting right into it, let's start off with our very first email. Uh, it comes to us from uh, a chap called Louis Aguilar. I am certain I'm destroying your name, sir, so uh, I do apologize. But uh, Louis does say to us, to start, I love your guys' show. I like how there is a viewpoint from an uber fan of DBZ and the viewpoint of someone that likes, that kind of knows it. So far I'm on episode 3, but I like how you guys go in-depth with the characters and the plot of the story. Keep it up, Lewis. Thanks, Lewis. Brief. Thank you. And <laughs> Going for uh, that. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I love the long emails. Uh, short ones, I, I like the to the point, and we appreciate all the uh, praise. Thank you. Absolutely. Who do we have a returning email from, Jesse? This is from Daniel. Excellent. Yes. <clears throat> he starts off, Hello again, Jesse and Donovan. Hello, Daniel. Hello. Congratulations on the number of you guys have been get number of downloads you guys have been getting. Your coverage and presentation are getting better with each episode and I hope your numbers continue to reflect this. With any luck, you guys will just follow Dragon Ball Z history and your numbers will continue to climb to ridiculous heights. Excellent. <clears throat> so with episode 5, you are starting to get into the biggest story arc of the series. I hope you two are ready for the long haul. Actually, it has always surprised me just how short the Saiyan saga is compared to all the other stories in the series. You guys got through it in episode 4. Let's see how long it takes you to get to the end of this one. 
I'd imagine triple the number of episodes at least. As usual, your conversation and the show has inspired a few thoughts and notes I'm compelled to bore, I mean, share with you. <laughs> I think that the glossing over of recovering the dead bodies in the ocean dub really took some of the impact out of that episode. I don't remember really ever feeling the loss of their friends when I originally saw it, and without that, it really kind of cuts as to why they are so determined to get to Namek. It makes me feel less like they're going because of how much they care about their lost friends and more that they just don't have anything else to do right now. <laughs> so I'm glad that all that this has been put back in the series' later releases. I, I agree. I, it's interesting to uh, see uh, from an open perspective uh, the things that were cut you know, when you're older. Actually, yeah, I, I, I was going to say, save my later comments for the, for the next paragraph because we're about to get into something. So uh, <laughs> let's go. I tried to look up more about the song added to the Kai version of the episode. I believe the one you guys heard was Over the Stars, which is Funimation's dubbing of Over the Star, which was the insert song for the same scene in the Japanese version of Kai. It is a rather odd addition, especially for the American release. The Japanese viewers had several insert songs throughout the original Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z anime, which just pop up randomly in the series where all that was cut out of the Dragon Ball Z dub. But can't fault them for dubbing it in now since that is what fans have been asking for more, for more or less for years. And while it is a weird pop song style <laughs> snippet, I think the series lends itself to be used with music in that fashion. Hence the popularity of DBZ fan-made music videos. <laughs> so if the scene works better with or without the singing, I'd say it's up to viewer tastes. Still, I'm surprised you guys didn't slip a sample of it into your episode. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about music. <laughs> yeah, I actually did. I knew this was going to come up, and I did later on find that uh, the weird pop song that played during the recovery of the bodies in our last episode was, in fact, a song from the Japanese version that they just dubbed in. or that the, I mean, you know, they translated essentially. Um, in fact, uh, if I have my druthers, you guys will be hearing that right now as I'm talking and boring away. Yeah, this is something that, like, I've seen Kai do uh, recently when I'm, you know, picking out themes for the shows. Kai actually has a lot of songs that kind of just randomly appear in the show in the Japanese version. Um, mainly during the Android saga, I, I, I saw a lot of, like, just songs just start up. Uh, and they're actually really good. Uh, the original run of Dragon Ball Z only had one song played during, like, you know, during the, the show that wasn't the intro or outro. I'm not going to say what it is, because it's, it's one of the best moments in the entire series, and rightfully so, he deserved the song. But Kai was, got a lot more uh, poppy with it, I suppose, if that's an accurate uh, uh, description. And I, I don't want to say it's bad, but they did like, get a lot more liberal with um, how they wanted to put in sound clips, songs, just any, anything to sort of like like increase the mood or whatever. Um, and I still kind of think that the song is weird in the scene. Like, it, it, Does it's it fit? No, it's, 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 it's a really depressing song, or it's a really depressing scene, and the song is kind of like, kind of wistful, and, you know, sort of lovey-dovey. It's not, it's not a happy song, but I still feel it's a little bit odd. I actually like the song for what it is, but like, in that scene, I'm still kind of stretching it. But, um, I mean, I mean, yeah, that, that is, that is the explanation as to why. We were, we were very, very dumb about it. But, um, if you guys listen to this right now, you should be hearing it. And uh, let's know what you think. Is, was it appropriate for us for the scene, or was it just blasphemy in the, in the way this horrible trailer? Yeah, see if you agree with us. <laughs> please, please do. Otherwise, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> Dana goes on. 
Okay, I have to bring this up because you guys made such a big deal about it, about the filler episode where King Kai knows all about the Saiyans and their history. How does he know exactly what happened in Namek? Or how did he know Piccolo's secret origin as though he is writing his biography? Yeah. <laughs> that said, I do like the scene and the story itself explaining how Piccolo came to be. And did either of you notice that in the shot, all the Namekians, <laughs> Namekians there is one with a mustache? How does that even work? Yes, oh, awesome. I did notice that. I, I did notice that too, and in fact, I, I regret not making that like the, the show image. Um, I mean, I would just say that that King Kai is, you know, he's he's like a sort of like a god in in the other world, upper realm of of reality. I I think he can kind of. I wouldn't. I don't really question him knowing stuff like that. I do question him. I mean, like it was a filler scene. We, we talked about it before. It was a filler scene. He was telling Goku false information. In fact, we'll get we'll get into it in this episode how false that was. But um, I. I, I I never had a problem with it him him knowing about the Namekian's origins. Yeah, it just kind of it, it's a it's a talking point, but ultimately it doesn't deter any of my enjoyment from the episode because right. I mean he is a character who's already been established to be he he can speak he in the, you know in these episodes he he lets dead people speak with each other so you know he he it kind of goes with the flow as far as his what he's able to do. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we can kind of roll with it. Uh, he goes on farther. I don't know why, but I always like that dramatic pointing moment on the ship. I guess I'm just a sucker for dramatic group pose. <laughs> I'm also a fan of 80s hair Boma. Too bad she only has it for a brief moment. Speaking of Boma, so my theory on why she's so mad during the takeoff scene was all, has always been that the others are pissing her off because they're just not taking it as seriously as she is. After all, she's there decked out in her spacesuit ready to take this dangerous once-in-a-lifetime trip. I can only imagine she's pictured it in her head like she's going to do this and be the greatest astronaut ever. Then she's joined by a guy dressed like he's going on vacation and a little kid overpacked and ready for boarding school. <laughs> and neither of them are treating it like it's really a big deal. And we've all been there where we're doing something that we think is a big deal and the guy next to us just doesn't give a damn. It would frustrate anyone. So with that thinking, I can understandably and kind of understandably act why she's pissy at them for it. What do you think, Jesse? That, that's a, a valid reason. Uh, that's what I kind of assumed, but at the same time, I didn't know if I was just missing something. Mm-hmm. You know, like like if I'm reading more into it because they made it seemed like they made such a point of it, and yeah. you know, that she would have just basically came out and said that, like a line or two of dialogue could have uh, hammered that point home. Yeah, Boma doesn't seem like somebody who really would like not tell people how she's feeling. So like it was, it, it went on for like like the whole scene like. Her temperament was the same. While everybody was, it was kind of the focus was going from Gohan to Krillin to Chi Chi and all that stuff. And like, she's kind of just frowning the entire time. And like, it, I, I still think the way they played it is weird. I mean, it's the same in the manga. Like, it's really, it's really kind of like, uh, I don't want to say ambiguous because I think you can pull pull like like this point or other points from it. But the way it, they went, the way the story went about it is a little kind of uh, interesting. I'll say. It's uh, it's an odd technique um i think in comparison to the rest of the, the, the show mm-hmm. particularly with her character he goes, but that's no excuse for drinking and going around in your underwear there's a child present woman <laughs> actually when watching it again i kind of wondered if they that look on her and the comment about hibernation sleep thing was an evelyn ripley alien movie reference um it could very well be yeah, it's possible. Actually, uh, yeah, it's possible. Akira Toriyama does like his movie references. Um, in Dragon Ball, Goku Goku basically goes up against the Terminator. 
Um, so I'll, it's it's very much possible. Um, I don't remember when it, when did Alien come out. Do you remember what year? Seventy four, I believe. Nineteen seventy four, really? Uh, I want to say it was 74 while I stall to check. Yeah, let's let's Uh, see what it was done now. (laughs) 79. 79. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Aliens came out in 86, which was like the big, the first sequel. That was like the big one that brought it kind of to popular culture more so, or made it like a house. Oh okay, okay, okay. That I didn't. That I did not know. Well, I mean, this right now we're going. We're we're, we're in 1990 in the story, so it's, it was obviously before this. So it's it is possible. Personal side note: the second scene of DBZ I ever saw was Gohan changing into his Piccolo outfit on the ship. For some reason, that little conversation just stuck with me and made me wonder who these characters were, where are they, who is this Piccolo, and why is he dressing like them? <laughs> stuck with me for years until I saw the series appear on Toonami and finally got some answers. Now, I'm going to give a defense for all those filler episodes. Were there too many of them? Yes. Were there, was there no real point to them in the end? Yes. Was it the very definition of filler padding? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but taken just on their own, I think they were fun little stories. The people in space did make for a good foreshadowing of the great planet-destroying evil that is to come. But being the monster who destroyed the world known as Huey. Okay, maybe that's not a good thing, but the filler does show... Case some good character moments from Bulma, Krillin, and Gohan trio, getting to show them working together more. You get some nice moments between Gohan and Chi-Chi, or Goku and Chi-Chi, and the adventure on Fake Namek has some fun and creative action scenes. Taken by itself, I think they are simple, fun little episodes, so while it can be seen as nothing but pointless, it can also be seen as just more time with the characters to enjoy. That said, it did always bug me that you that if you miss the last episode on the fake Namek story, you will be completely lost in the next episode as to when you saw them on the real planet. I take that point. Um, the filler stuff is essentially... The best thing the filler does in, in the DBZ anime is really just provide some characterization that the, that the manga doesn't. And I will say, I mean, I'll, I'll say straight up that Bulma plays less and less of a role in the Namek saga because it gets more action-oriented just straight up. I mean, she's still there, but like, like we'll see in this episode, it's mainly Gohan and Krillin popping around. Um, I mean, I, I take your point exactly, and I can see how you could appreciate it that way. Although I, I still kind of stick by my reason that, like, because it was one gigantic fake out, and they haven't even reached Namek yet, <laughs> that still really fries my spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of view them as uh, as like deleted scenes in a DVD, mm-hmm. and a lot of times you'll see people say they were good scenes, but they just didn't work in the story. And especially since it's my first time, like, you know, experiencing the story, I want to see it as a cohesive unit on its whole and then go back and see some more character development, maybe on the side, you know, stuff that's not necessarily consequential to the main story. Right. Supplementing it, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Because it can throw off your pacing for the entire series and ultimately, like, deter enjoyment from it if it has a lot of highs and lows and, like, drug out spaces. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just a sucker for comic book science. If your story tells me that this spaceship can travel so so far or so fast, I believe you. You tell me that little screen over your eye can read energy? Sure, okay. And if you tell me your super satellite phone <laughs> can instant talk with someone a galaxy away, okay, that's all the scientific, scientific explanation I need. That probably means I am more gullible than <laughs> I should be, doesn't it? Uh, oh, the... <laughs> It's one of my favorite moments. <laughs> just like, I mean, that that didn't make me mad. I just I just like laughed at like how flagrantly impossible it was. 
Yeah, it's one of those like I I, I kind of go with it too clearly, but right. I think because I am a, a fan of a lot of science mm-hmm. type stuff, it's I'm naturally gonna like notice it and go, eh, that's that's pretty weird. <laughs> so far as Vegeta being able to sense energy now, I think in the Dragon Ball world there are just certain techniques that characters of a certain level of power or skill can just pick up on their own by seeing others do it. Things like the Kamehameha and other energy attacks, if you can see how it's done, and if they're physically capable of doing it, they can do the same thing. I'd say sensing, sensing energy falls under that category, and if someone as powerful as Vegeta can see others do it, then he can figure out how. That's, or it's just a plain plot convenience. I always figured Kiwi was ordered to check on Vegeta by Frieza to see what he, w- what he does once he got back and knew that Frieza had gone to Namek. More or less, test Vegeta's loyalty and obedience. And when Vegeta's response was to chase after Frieza, his orders would have been to kill him. Either way, it's fun to watch Vegeta trounce him so easily and sets up the stage for the three-way race for the Dragon Balls. Frieza gets a great threatening intro here with everybody basically wetting themselves at his mere presence. And it's amazing that even with the kind of build-up of him being so much more powerful than everybody, it still ends up being a surprise just how powerful he is later revealed to be. I also like your comparisons of Frieza and his forces as to a kind of space mafia. It's interesting to me as I always thought of it more as an empire with Frieza as king ruling all these different planets, but given the more criminal and business-like nature of their organization, the mob analogy maybe was, is maybe more fitting. Well, you guys have made yet another fun episode of interesting review and insight on the series, and I have had fun making another long-winded email in response, so thanks again for reading. And just end with saying that I don't know about you guys, but I want Krillin's hat. <laughs> Sincerely, Daniel Yarbrough. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I want his hat, too. It's a pretty cool hat. I was like, like Master Roshi merchandise. I gotta, I gotta give me some of that. Oh, P.S. Love the new promo for the show. Reminds me a lot of Tsunami's old promo and opening, which is always cool. Oh, thank you. Thanks. It's all done. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That, I was kind of going for that kind of mood. Because like, one of the themes is a very Tsunami uh, used theme. But uh, I'm glad you like it. Thank you very much. We have one last email. Comes from us. Another returning uh, emailer, in, uh, Frederick Henningsen. Um, he says, Hey again, guys. First off, I would like to apologize on behalf of myself and all Swedish people that our names are so horribly difficult to pronounce. <laughs> no worries, man. It's okay. I heard, I've heard that Swedish is supposed to be one of the toughest languages in the world, and I'm starting to realize why. Back on topic, though. My question last episode about Garlic Jr.'s relation to Kami originated from me remembering the brief exposition Garlic told about their fathers doing battle for the role of Kami. My thoughts just extrapolated from that. But I guess we can chalk that up as one of the movie's inconsistencies, am I right? Great introduction to the Namek saga. I especially found your discussion about the inconsistencies of calling up from other planets hilarious. <laughs> so do we. <laughs> I am also a great fan of how Namek looks with the blue, almost turquoise-colored grass and green sky. Grass and green sky, yeah. It's an interesting contrast. I think I heard you say something about DBZ Kai just covering up through the Cell Saga. And if that is so, what is really the point of it? I was considering going through it, but now I'm not so sure anymore. Did the viewership drop so they had to cancel it because of that, or was there some other reason? Once again, keep up the good work, and hopefully I'm not too much of a bother with my ridiculously long email. Don't worry, it's not long. <laughs> Sincerely, Frederick Hendrickson. Um, Yeah, uh, I don't know if you know about this, Jesse, but Dragon Ball Z Kai... Or I should say, in Japan, it's just called Dragon Ball Kai. But um, it was it was canceled last year. And the one of the... 
I don't know if it was the reason, but this this actually occurred right after the um, the the tsunami in Japan. Um, I'm not. I don't. I forget whether it has something to do with it because I don't think I don't think like the studio was destroyed or whatever. But it did end on episode 99 uh, at the very end of the the, the Cell Saga. Um, now I will say that like. DBZ sagas are such that where you can legitimately. In fact, this is this is something that we're going to get into eventually. Uh, there's a long running discussion among fandom on when the series should have ended, and um, one you know one of the options is the, the Cell Saga, and DB Dragon Ball Kai essentially gives fans of that saga its ending where it ends once the, once the Cell Saga is over and it does and it doesn't pick up on the Boo Saga. If you are a completist, I can see how that would bug you, but. Um, it, I mean, it doesn't end in the middle, in the middle of a socket. It, it, you can watch all of DB Dragon Ball Kai and get at, le- at least two-thirds of the story. It doesn't do the boost socket. It doesn't, it doesn't do, like, the seven years later. Um, and we don't get some other characters. But there, it's, not, it's not as abrupt of, of an ending. I, but we can kind of get to it once we get to it, which is, like, at least a couple years away. <laughs> that is all our emails. Thank you very much to everyone emailing in. And uh, if you'd like to email... The address is dbznextdimension at hotmail.com. Now, let's uh, get to going. Uh. <laughs> now, Anita, Anita, I'm to let you go at all. Clever old fool, don't think you can trick us by pretending to speak only Namek. I know you're fluent in the common tongue. The elders stay in the village with the children while the men go out to work in the fields. Will that do? That's better. See how well we do when you cooperate? Now on to the next question. I understand that you have something here in your possession that I would very much like to have in mind. The six-star dragon maw! <laughs> I'll give you one chance to tell me where it is. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dodoria. Yes? Do you remember that first Namek elder we visited? Doesn't our new friend here remind you of him in some way? Yeah, he thought he could play dumb too. He said he had no idea what the Dragon Balls were. <laughs> oh yes, he was quite the stubborn one at first, but it wasn't too long before he was willing to talk. <laughs> we simply had to start killing his friends one by one. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> After that, he was a regular wellspring of useful information. For example, he explained to us how long ago the oldest and wisest of the Namics created seven Dragon Balls, how he placed them at different locations all over the planet, entrusting each one to the care of a Namic elder, and how if all seven are collected, the Eternal Dragon appears, able to grant any wish a heart may desire. He also told us that anyone seeking a Dragon Ball must pass tests of bravery and intelligence before an elder will turn it over. I offered to take these tests, of course, but he refused to give me the Dragon Ball at any cost, so I had no choice but to take it along with his life. You cold-blooded murderer! At any rate, after our difficulties with the first elder, we found the next three to be quite agreeable. By the time we arrived, they were all too willing to hand over their Dragon Balls. Good, Frieza. But after I beat you to the next Dragon Ball, you won't deal with me so easily. Uh, They did not hand them over. Our brothers would never willingly give a Dragon Ball to the likes of you, not in a million years. 
Don't be so sure you underestimate our powers of persuasion, Zarvan. Why don't you show them? <laughs> Gladly. Tonight we will go over quite a sizable chunk of the Namek Saga, so we can kind of keep on barreling through this series, and um, we will begin with a recap from Jesse. So, uh, Jesse, what happens <laughs> this episode? Okay, we last left, Goku was jumping out of the uh, hospital bed, landing on the flying Namek, and was shooting off to go see Boma's dad. Goku arrives at the capsule core, where Boma's dad, Dr. Briefs, who's smoking a cigarette, <laughs> has prepared his old spaceship for him to travel to Namek in. Uh, apparently it's going to take him only six days to get there, and he's also retrofitted it with a gravity drive, which makes it so he can do... He can like basically train in 10, 20, 30 times Earth's gravity. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Even though the doctor claims the ship isn't ready yet, as it still needs speakers, Goku takes off and begins, begins training at 20 times Earth's gravity as he's heading to Namek. Meanwhile, on Namek, Frieza's men are questioning some Namekians, to pressure, basically pressuring them into revealing the location of Dragon Balls. The Namekians begin to fight back. And ultimately, Zarbon proves too too powerful for them. Yes, anyway, you're, the you're eldest the, the eldest Namekian discovers that they're they're basically sensing where the Dragon Balls are located and their power levels through their scouters. And in a last last ditch effort, destroys the scouters, which completely enrages Dodoria and causes him to fly at him or fly at the Namekians, threatening to attack him. Meanwhile, Krillin and Gohan have stumbled upon this and. While Krillin's telling them they have to keep their powers mas max masked, Gohan cannot just stand by and let the child, uh, the, the children, get attacked. So he enters the fray and ultimately surprises Frieza's men. After after surprising them, they fly off with one of the Namekian children and Doria in hot pursuit. After he after Krillin drops the Namekian child and Gohan makes a quick save. They manage to flee him and escape him. How do they get past Dodoria? I had a brain fart. Uh, Krillin actually uses uh, Krillin uses a technique, but I don't know what it's called. Uh, it's solar flare. It's, it's solar flare. It, it's the it's the blind thing. I mean, there's a Japanese name for it, but like it's solar flares. Is that cool. is that one of his techniques? That's actually Tien's move. It's the one that Goku used against uh, Great Vegeta. Okay, because I thought it was the same kind of blinded him basically. Right. Actually, I'm, we're gonna like Krillin actually like. There's a, there's a certain like like finger movement where you do with it, and Krillin actually kind of like uh, does a different one. So it's it's the same kind of thing, although it is slightly slightly modified, but it is like essentially the same technique. Because yeah, he he said like, oh, I can't believe that actually worked. Yeah, exactly. So they get away from Dodoria, who's kind of uh, pretty upset about this, and shortly after that ends up getting sneak attacked by Vegeta. Yes, who he does. Attacks him from behind and sends him flying. Right, right, into, right into the drink. Um, so thanks, Jesse. You always manage to briefen this up as, as much. I, I tend to kind of babble on a little bit, but um, I, no, I just miss a lot of. <laughs> you have to like, you know, tell everybody what I, I'm, I'm skipping. No, it's just it's, it's, it's synopsis. We can we can get into the nitty gritty right now. Um, now this is this is kind of funny because this is sort of like again, uh, the Namek Saga is kind of. A little more reminiscent to Dragon Ball, and that you know they're searching for the Dragon Balls, and we see a little bit more of the side characters. This one starts off with um, our Dragon Ball Z reintroduction to Bulma's parents. Uh, we have seen them before in Dragon Ball, but like we, I don't, this is the first time we've seen them in this 
iteration of the series. Or are you thinking about uh, the mother and father of Boma? <laughs> now, uh, her dad, he, he comes off as he's based on somebody, but I can't put a finger on who. Maybe it's the mad scientist stereotype. But he's got the big glasses, the mustache. He kind of looks like Dr. Wily from Mega Man. Yeah. And I, I love that he smokes. Like, he's got a cigarette on, his, on him uh, during his whole appearance. Yeah, which I guarantee you was, was cut out in, the, in like, the Toonami dubs. But, um, yeah, he, he, is, he is kind of aloof. He's, I know what you mean. He's sort of like that kind of goofy, aloof scientist, but he is actually smart, and he kind of doesn't, doesn't take much things seriously. He's like, oh, don't you want a stereo? Yeah, it seems like a very stock character. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in a bad way, but it seems like more, you know, a character you would expect to see. But I love that, he, you know, he's trying to, he's holding up the launch of it because, yeah, it needs, it needs a stereo system. And Goku's like, what, just a stereo? And he's like, clearly you do not understand. It's not just a stereo. You know what's funny is that, like, both of, the, both, both of Obama's parents don't really take anything much seriously because, like, her mom, who is like a complete ditz, She's like, you know, you know what the greatest thing is about you saving the world? Uh, my pastry, my favorite pastry shop isn't destroyed, so we, we need to go over there and get some drinks sometime. It's really odd. Like, she almost kind of, like, hits on Goku. I don't know if you got that feeling. Yeah, yeah, she was like, oh, when are you going to take me, you know, take me out something? He's like, oh, I'll, I'll do it soon. Like, <laughs> odd. Yeah, and he's not... like, you're supposed to have known him since he was a kid. <laughs> I know. It's, it's like, yeah, I'm not married or anything. <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. Although, um, I, I remember that you said that the, the gravity room was one of the things that you remembered uh, back when you when you saw some, some a little bit uh, when you were younger, and I think I, yeah I agree this this is one of the I think this is um, one of the cooler aspects of the Namek Saga because I like I like the whole capsule core spaceship where it's kind of this, this big circular thing and like the gravity can be you know be altered like to up to up to 100, 100 times I think that's um I think it's pretty cool what do you think Yeah and he mentions that uh you know if you go all the way you'd weigh like ten thousand pounds basically. Which yeah, I thought it was uh, – well, he says if you weighed 100 pounds and you go up to 100 times gravity, you're going to weigh 10,000 pounds. Right. Which, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, and, and like a day, Goku's up to like 20 times gravity already. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I really liked it. Um, the design of it's really it, – obviously, it comes off like a giant capsule, hence the name. But <laughs> with, a, with a, I guess I guess you call it gravity drive type thing, it's, it's pretty it's, – it's wacky science, but I love it. It's still the same. I love that he's supposed to have like retrofitted Goha- Goku's ship from when he was a child. Yeah, you know it's it's kind of funny because like he he made that little that circular orb thing to like this this even larger ship, which can not only not only manipulate like, the gravity, but also get him there in six days. Um, I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say this doesn't make sense, <laughs> although I almost did, but um. It it is it is pretty nifty the way that he can kind of just do do all this stuff. And again, I'm, and I'm, it has I'm, a fully stocked kitchen. Yeah, fully fully stocked kitchen bed. You know, there was going to be a stereo, but you know, stupid Goku, he didn't want that. Um, it's it's really funny because if you if you, uh, you know, this is, is you know the Dragon Ball characters are a little lighter hearted. Um, you know, it's a gravity machine. Everything is everything is nice where it wants to be, and it's kind of a light hearted scene. You contrast that to what immediately follows. <laughs> With Frieza and the Namics. it's really, I, I like, I like the, I kind of like the flexibility. I was, whenever I was watching this, I was like, you know, this is really interesting how the series can kind of go from lighthearted comedy to like deadly dire situations and like really tense moments, like in the drop of a hat. Um, 
What did you think about the whole, pretty much the entire Namek stuff, or Namekian stuff, where, like, we see Namekians, we see, like, you know, people that aren't Piccolo or Kami, but they are Namekians, basically being, like, you know, taken out of their house and murdered, essentially. Going back to the analogy we made last episode, uh, it did kind of seem like a mafia hit. You know, you had you had your enforcers telling you, okay, you know, here's what we need. Okay, you're not going to give this out. Okay, well, the other people, they didn't want to talk either until we murdered them, or until we, you know, threatened to murder them. Mm-hmm. And they were like, uh, you know, it, basically these guys are no nonsense. They came in, they, they just didn't care. But, you know, they had youth here. They were going to murder those guys. Very cold and like, you know, cold-hearted and brutal. Mm-hmm. Which, as you were saying, if juxtapositioned with the scene before, shouldn't work, but it does. I mean, also it's you know the setting and the mood is completely different within one scene. It just snaps you back to you know the conflict and what basically what Goku's you know training for. Right. I really like that part of it. Uh, it was also cool to see Namekians because we haven't yet, and they even address as to why the the planet seems so empty. They were saying that they they build their communities so far apart from each other. Uh, what was it to mask like the energies from the Dragon Balls and stuff? It was so, that, and I think it was like. Um, the planet is different. No, there's not forests or, or oceans, or there are oceans, but there's not as many like uh, structures as Earth does to hide Dragon Balls. I think they said that like they did it to mass energy to kind of keep keep evil doers from finding the Dragon Balls, and they also kind of did it to like where they could spread out um, anybody who wanted to find the Dragon Balls with, with the seven elders, the elders who basically own the Dragon Balls, and you had to kind of talk into owning them if you wanted to gather, gather the dragon. So it definitely uh, kind of answers some questions, I, or not questions I had, but questions I didn't know I had. <laughs> uh, and also, I, I love the designs of the, their their homes, which were pretty. They even, you know, Curly even mentions they look like the ship they came in on. Yeah, this is really cool. How like this whole world is kind of built up because, well, for one thing, I I don't think that like. I think Piccolo is a pretty intimidating looking character, but like I think by and large, not only the Namekians, but. Uh, Frieza, Zarbon, Dodoria, and the other like Frieza men—they don't look all that intimidating. Maybe Zarbon does a little bit, but they don't really look all that intimidating. They're kind of—I'm not gonna say they're goofy looking, but they're very, very alien-like, and they're very kind of like you know, kind of out there designs. But you still have this like really, you know, hostile situation where you know people are getting killed, you know, people are getting threatened, you know, like children are getting threatened and killed. It's—it's. Re- it's, I, I find that interesting, just how. A lot of thought was put into this. You know, there's, we have the whole world, we have the we have the buildings, we have like the culture, and we have you know, I mean, we have basically all that all that stuff basically being thrown to the wayside because a couple of a couple of douchebags want to use the Dragon Balls for stupid reasons. It's, yeah, it's, he's it's, like, oh, I just want to ask for immortal life. Oh, that's all. There was a nice line where he said, um, "You'd rather die than make me happy." <laughs> yeah, I love the moment where. As you say, Zarbon starts attacking. Like just for an example, starts uh, attacking some of the two older like, Namekians. He he snaps the neck of one guy. The other guy, like you know, goes to, goes to attack him, blasts him, and like hits another Frieza goon who just flies oh, yeah, in just, front of him. Doesn't care, just <laughs> cannon fodder. Yeah, I, I I found that really hilarious. But um, I was like, what did you think about the whole battle between the Doria and like the like the like the younger Namekians that came came to help? Uh, I was really interested in seeing it because, short of Piccolo, you haven't seen any Namekians fight. So you know, you you, you kind of at this point in the series, it seems like you have a you have an idea of Saiyans, 
you obviously have an idea of the Z fighters, but Namekians are kind of a variable. You don't know what they were about, and they even say they come up and say, "Oh, the, the power level is only around a thousand. And I was like, "Okay, well, are they going to be weak, or are they going to?" Turns out they're going to be masking their power levels, and they were. Mm-hmm. Oh, and at first they were they were whooping butt. I was like, "Oh, awesome, heck yeah!" And then not so much. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was kind of I was rooting for them. I really didn't want them to you know to die, even though you kind of know it's not really going to go in their their favor. Yeah, it's 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 a really depressing scene to be honest. Because like they they kick butt. They like they they take out all three of these guys and just kind of beat the crap out of them. Um, my favorite is like. There's like this like one alligator looking guy or this guy with like some sort of like like dog beak or whatever that the guy that one of the that one of the Nikes just kinda of just punches the crap out of. And like they're they're all Kenneth Varder, like you said, but the Doria just like just wrecks their wrecks their crap. Like uh there's an there's an edit note where when he starts to when he you know, he goes up to the old guy for destroying their scouters and Freeze is like, No, 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 no. Do me a favor, just kill these young ones first and then you can do whatever you want. And like he starts to fight them. The first thing he does, oh my god! The first thing he does is, is just shove his arm right through the back of one of the the, the Namekian with the cape, which is really nasty. And um, I remember that was his arm going through him was kind of cut in the original dub. Um, it looked like he just kind of hit him hard in the back. And even even in Kai, uh, you see it, but it's a lot it's a lot uh, quicker than the original anime, where kind of like lingers, like kind of like Tien's arm being cut off, it kind of lingers on it. Yeah, but but it's just it's it's this 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 is like really savage, the whole thing. Yeah, he was definitely. Oh, even Frieza's men. It seems like this seems like on the whole they're more brutal than have been shown previously mm-hmm. with enemies. Or you you know even you look at like Vegeta and um what's his name Nappa Nappa. It seems like they kind of up the ante with these guys. Yeah, not only are they, are they stronger generally, or at least Frieza's right hand men are, but kind of because you know we've seen the Namekian strength; they're stronger than they look. And like it's just, oh well, no, it's still hopeless because Dora just like you know rips them apart. Yeah, wa- them wa- into yeah, washes the floor with them. Oh man, I mean it's really because you know they, like like Kaio, King Kai said that you know they're they're a, a peaceful people. They say you know we will not we will not let you destroy the hard fought piece of Namek or whatever. But we're we're just basically watching them be lined up for the slaughter, um, especially with um, the older Namekian. I think later on his name is Zakaro. I think I don't. I think I think that you kind of re- reveal that a little later on. Um, I, I, it's not said here, but I'll just call him the older Namek. But because um, yeah, he has his two sons, and it's just it's really I find it really sad to like kind of like you know watch a hopeless disguise. He says. I'll, you know, run, children. I will. Sh- I will show these guys the honor of Namek, and like his son just blows up, like right behind him. And another thing is that, like, interestingly enough, in the anime, Dodoria killed that kid, and the manga Frieza just did it, which is like Frieza just kind of just like did it like right in front of his face. But um, I mean, there's, there's I think this is. Would you say this is some of the most violent stuff we've seen in the series yet? I don't know if it's the most some of the most violent, but it's the most targeted. As you are seeing children get blown up, which you've seen, you know, Gohan get damaged. But at this point, you kind of Gohan is almost safe. It's like, okay, well, he's, you know, he's he's a Saiyan. He's not he's not a background character. You know, he's not going to die. Uh, these guys, yeah, no, they just kill children. Right. These are young children. They kill them, and it's kind of it, it's pretty assertive. You wouldn't expect to see that, especially, you know. 
when you have your two your two of your protagonists there, they'll jump in the way and they'll you know they'll save them. That's not going to happen. And oh well, no, yeah, this guy gets blown up. So wow, okay, well all bets are off now. Yeah, I mean they they, they threaten them and they make good on their threats. Like like to Freeze's men, these Namekians are absolutely nothing, and they're just like it's it's not it's not it's not almost as clean as we say. I, I say the kid blew up like. He uh, either Freezer or Dory took a pick, just blasted him, and he just basically caught on fire and died. Um, Nexar snapped. You know, people are getting run through by by people with other people's fists and stuff. Uh, the older Namekian, after a long while, he just he just after he watches his, after he sees his son die, Dory just completely like just snaps his neck all the way around. It's and like these people like earlier in the like you know when we first seen them, they're kind of being led out of their homes. They're being very quiet. They're scared. They don't know what to, they know what to do. It's really, I think this is maybe not the most violent stuff because there is, you know, Tien's arm and stuff. But this, I would say this is some of the most, um, I don't want to say dark because I don't think that's, that's necessarily, I would say it's the most gritty DBZ's been up to this point. Gritty and probably most senseless violence or most uh, brutal, probably. Yeah. Because it really is like, it's just like you are seeing, like, it's not so much these guys, these bad guys are powerful. You're seeing how evil they are. They, like, they're just. And again, you know, bad guys are the, are this evil. I think Vegeta would do the same thing if given the chance. But you're seeing it, and you're seeing it, you know, in comparison to after after we're already watching basically Vegeta just fight all our, our fighters for several episodes. It is it is, and again, after 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 you know the hijinks with Bulma's parents, it is a strong contrast. And in a weird way, it kind of, it almost makes you root for Vegeta more because you by by virtue of not doing this, he seems less evil. Mm-hmm. By not having had this done this scene, which you know is to say, yeah, he could still do it, but at this point you haven't seen him, so okay, he's like, well, Vegeta's after these guys too, so I hope he wins. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll kind of come back to that. It's later. really building up. Yeah, it's really building up. You know, Frieza's men and Frieza himself as far as a villain. Yeah, like just, just like the, the utter horror of these guys, and of course, it, like the entire the entire time, Gohan is just stewing, watching this. He's, he's just like gritting his teeth. He's squeezing his fist. His eyes are getting white again because you know what happens when ha- you know when when he does that and like one of, I think one of my favorite moments in the Namek saga is just when Dodori is about to kill the the, the final child. Um, Gohan's just like you know he's like rah and just uh, <laughs> I like the fact that Dodori can't quite see him at first even though he screamed and just like you know kicks him and says I'm gonna beat you up. I that's that's another crowning moment of awesome Gohan has in my opinion. Oh yeah, because I mean. I'm surprised Krillin. Well, I won't say I'm surprised because Krillin's trying to save his own ass. Yeah, and he he has a history of that at this point. He did it when they were fighting Vegeta. You know, he's all right. No, we you know we need to stay back. We need to stay back. And he eventually you know follows through after Gohan kind of takes the lead, which is I think kind of shows a lot of Gohan's character because he is you know taking the lead and he is kind of stepping up to the plate more more to say. You know, also because Gohan is a very young child, he he does have a more, he will have a more black and white sense of what's right and wrong. Krillin probably is, he's probably in the more he's 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 smarter in that you know they can't take these guys on; they'll die if they do, and they're just trying to stay alive so they can, they can get the Dragon Balls and wish their friends back to life. But they're basically watching innocent people die right in front of them. But but the, what what I like about this is that even though Gohan initiates the attack. Krillin follows follows up on it, and then gra- he grabs Dende. Because remember, later on, he just gives Dende to to, to, Den, uh, to Dende being the, the Mekian child. He gives Dende to Gohan, you know, so he can blind Dodoria. He is the one that that 
he it shows that Krillin, although the entire time he says we can't fight, we can't fight, we can't fight, he does sort of share Gohan's morality. It's just that he's he's really really scared. <laughs> yeah, he's probably looking at it through a lens of more a more adult, you know, weighing more of the options type of type perspective. of perspective. But at the same time, he's no less heroic when. When he has to be, basically, when you know, when spurred into action, he's still just as heroic as Gohan. Yeah, which which I think it makes it makes them really, it makes them again like a really fun duo to to watch because Gohan's the more emotional one, Krillin's the more sensible sensible one, and even even you know, still going chronologically, going into like the chase sequence between them and the Doria, um, Krillin, he's thinking to himself, he's he's basically thinking to himself, you know. I gotta, I gotta fight this guy. I gotta fight this guy. Okay, well, I, I, know, I know how to get away from him. You know, he's kind of he he's he's assuming you know like okay, we gotta throw down now. We can't get outrun him or whatever. He's kind of coming to terms with what they gotta do, and it's just I I, I like it because it, it was just easy to oh we gotta get away and kind of make it a comedy scene or whatever. But it's you know they keep they kind of keep up the the desperation and drama. And of course he uses Tien's move, which is great. Which I like I like when he says you know Gohan you know listen to me, whatever you do do not open your eyes shut your eyes and don't don't look back like. It's like you know, if 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 you know what he's going to do, it's, it's pretty awesome. Although Gohan's like, I don't know what's going on, but okay. I love the scene where Gohan catches Dende because you see that uh, Krillin just doesn't think he's going to make it. He stops, he changes direction, and ultimately, you know, Gohan catches him and is like, "Oh, awesome, cool." Because I mean, you just saw another child die, so you don't. At this point, I didn't know what was going to happen. He's going to splatter across the rocks. Well, I didn't know if he had Dodori would catch him and then, you know, blow him up or rip him in half or what. You know, anything could happen. Which is kind of crap because, you, like, like, after they escaped Dodori, it's like, oh, can you fly? Yeah, I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't have done this before, bro? Yeah, if, if, if he can fly, like, like, why didn't you just, like, stop and do it? But you had to give them heart attacks and basically have Dodori catch up to nearly kill him. <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, and one last note I have about this. Uh... The Doria, when he can't find we can't find Gohan Krillin and Dende, he just blasts the area in this one big shot. And um, before then, we see we see our heroes basically go, "Oh no, he's going to hit us!" And then like when the smoke is cleared, they're like right to the sides. Like, wow, I'm glad we got away from that. Which I I thought was kind of weird. It was kind of a cop out, or not a cop out, but a a non issue on how to do it. It was like okay, you know, even a quick scene of maybe them like. Running at super speed or something would have made it a little, a little easier to swallow necessarily. But yeah, it it it, it, it kind of like you know says they're they're in danger and then like kind of says well they weren't in danger. So I'm not, again I don't I don't it doesn't bother me but like it, I they could have done that a little better. Um, and uh, that, up to that point that's that's where all my notes are. Uh, if you have anything else, uh, no, I have no no more written down for that uh that section. All right, we'll go for a break, and when we come back, we will get on with the battle between Vegeta and Dodoria. Dum dum dum. In June of 1962, a superhero unlike any other made his first appearance in the pages of Amazing Fantasy number 15, the final issue of that series. Six months later, this character would receive his own title. And from there, he would grow in popularity and be adapted into several animated series, a handful of live-action series, both in the U.S. and abroad, have countless action figures made in his likeness, dominate the cinema screen, and much, much more. It is fair to say that the amazing Spider-Man is a pop culture icon 
and a fictional character that people all over the world identify with and love. This year, Spider-Man is turning 50, and Views from the Long Box, an internet radio series hosted by me, Michael Bailey, is going to celebrate the wall crawler in a series of episodes focusing on various aspects of the character's existence. Together with such podcasting luminaries as Brad Douglas, Andrew Leyland, John Wilson, and Scott Gardner, I'm going to give Spidey the biggest birthday card a comic fan could. He may not be my favorite character, but I like him a great deal, and he deserves the spotlight in this, his 50th year. Views from the Long Box can be found at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. New episodes hit every Friday. Views from the Long Box is a Fortress of Bailey Tooth production in association with the Demonzo Corps of Milan, Italy. And not to be rude, but would you mind telling me exactly what you're doing here? You just felt that too, right? Something's up. What's going on? We're not about to be attacked again, are we? No. Well, maybe, but that's not it. <laughs> Energies are dropping off one by one. <gasps> like, there's a big fight going on, and the Namekians are losing. Look, we know who's behind this. Only one person could be that heartless. It must be Vegeta. He has to be attacking another village somewhere. Him? That monster doesn't care who he hurts, does he? No. And on top of that, he's figured out a way he can sense energy without using one of those scouters. That's a problem. We're gonna have to be really careful. Lay low. At least for now. Jeez, we still don't even know if Vegeta is working alone or if he's just following that Frieza guy's orders. Not that it matters. If either of them gets their hands on the Dragon Balls, nobody is safe. I don't know how we'd go about it, but we need to find one of the Dragon Balls and hide it somewhere they wouldn't think to look. They can't summon the Dragon if they only have six. We can't do that! If we did, they'd keep looking for the last one! They wouldn't stop torturing the Namekians until they found it! No! My people! It doesn't matter what we do, we can't hold them off forever! It's like, we need Goku's help, but even when he gets here, there's no guarantee he can beat them! This sucks! I should have finished off Vegeta the second I had the chance! Please, I know nothing about you. What are you doing here? Tell me, where did you come from? And how do you know so much about the Dragon Balls? And please tell me you'll help us save Planet Namek! And we're back. When we last left off, Dodora was, you know, being plunged in the drink by Vegeta, and we continued with him saying, Oh, Vegeta, that was you who did that to me. I never thought. So... <laughs> So, um, he's, he's saying, I guess you're going after the Dragon Balls, so, uh, let me give you this scouter, because without this, it'll, it'll take days to get back to Planet, Planet Frieza. So here, have my scouter, go on, go on, take it. And, um, as soon as Dordora takes one step, Vegeta crushes it, and he's like, you fool, how could you do this? You can't, you can't find the Namekians even sooner than I can. And this is the point where Vegeta says, well, actually, I learned, uh, this really cool ability that sense energy. I learned it when I was on Earth, on Earth, fighting a fellow Saiyan. If he could do it, why can't I? More on that later. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Dodoria is like starting. You know, you, you need to get out here right now before I kill you. My patience is running out with you. And Vegeta says, you know, you keep on threatening me. Why don't you just come out and do it? Is because you can't kill me. Come on, come on, give me, give me your best shot. This enrages Dodora, who tries to blast him, but 
Vegeta's strong and fast, as evidenced by the fight with Kui. And he gets him this sort of arm block where he's he's pulling his arms back behind Dodoria's back and basically threatening to, to completely snap him off and t- tear the guy in half. So Vegeta's like, you're about to die. And Dodoria starts to beg for his life. He says, wait, 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 wait. Don't kill me. I can tell you what you don't, what you never found out about planet Vegeta. So he said the magic words. Vegeta's like, what don't I know about my home planet? And Dodorius says, you know, the rumor is that it was destroyed by a meteor years ago, but that's not true. What happened is that Frieza himself destroyed it. He was afraid that a gang of Saiyans could get stronger and stronger and basically rise up against him. So he destroyed the entire planet and his race and your royal parents. But he chose uh, to do it when a time where you were off planet so he could so he could have plans for you. And um, we see Vegeta's particularly surprised by this. So, um... Doria says, well, now that I've told you everything that, that you need to know, I'll be on my way. See you around, and I hope, hope you, uh, you, you owe me a new scouter, boy. And at this point, Vegeta's like, where are you going, fat boy? <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I don't care about the planet, or my race, or my parents. I'm really mad that I, my destiny was in the hands of you and Frieza. So, uh, die. And um, while Dodoria kind of flies away crying Frieza's name, Vegeta just, just kills him in one shot. Uh, which he's, he even he is, is surprised at. Yeah, he says he's he's even impressed with how strong he's gotten. <laughs> so I think he says something along the lines of, "I need to get beat up more often," or "Getting beat up helps." <laughs> the, the, me nearly dying was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Um, so we we uh, we go back to Krillin, Dende, and, and Gohan, and um, they're walking towards back to the cave to hit back where uh, Bulma was. And Krillin's kind of, you know, saying this is such a hopeless situation. If we don't, if we don't think of something soon, the only people uh, who will need to be brought back to life are us because we'll, we'll be dead in a few days. And um, when they introduce Dende to Bulma, Bulma says, hey, guess what? <laughs> Through my magic telephone, I, I, learned that, uh, <laughs> I learned that Goku was on his way in six days. And he's training really hard in a gravity spaceship. So Gohan and Krillin nearly cry at this news and happiness and says, well, finally, we have a chance. Thank you, God. And um, as we cut to Goku training, we cut back to Vegeta. Uh, he finds a, he finds a Namekian village. And he's ve- and instead of Frieza with you know the false pleasantries, he's very direct. He says, give me a Dragon Ball. No. Okay, <laughs> then die. Um, while back at the cave in, in uh, Bulma's kind of capsule house, they're kind of making pleasantries. They, they, they learn that Namekians don't need to eat, do not need to eat. They just uh, survive on water. And before more is said, they, they start feeling all the Namekians' energy dropping around them and learning that, v- that Vegeta is the one killing them, looking, looking for the Dragon Balls. They explain who they are and who Kami is and, and why they're there. So Dende says, okay, I need to take you to the Grand Elder. He's the one that made all the Dragon Balls, and he can give you one of the remaining Dragon Balls, because if Frieza has four, and Vegeta may have just gotten one, the last one, not the last one, but the next one is is at uh, Elder Guru's house. I'm 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 sorry, I I mixed that up. Frieza has five now, Vegeta now has one, and the one is with uh, uh, the Great Elder. So Krillin says that you know the best thing for them to do is for to go find that Dragon Ball and at least keep it away. That way, none of the bad guys can get their wish. So Gohan stays with Bulma, and Krillin and Dende fly off. Now at this point, Goku has pretty much mastered twenty times Earth's normal gravity and is just about to turn the lever up to thirty times when he gets a call from King Kai. King Kai says, "Why are you in outer space? Never mind. That's not important." <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, I want to introduce you to some, um, some new friends of mine and old friends of yours. Yes. This is the point where we see Piccolo, Tien, or Tenshin Han, take your pick, Chiaotzu, and Yamcha, all wearing halos because they're dead, on King Kai's planet. They apparently made it even faster than Goku did and want even harder training than he had. So this is a pretty nice moment. Uh, old friends reunited. Yamcha talks to Goku for the first time in like six years. And they're pretty much saying what happened. Um, Kami decided not to train, but Chaosu's body was reassimilated, even though he blew himself up into pink smoke. Yeah, so he gave him a new body. And, <laughs> a brand new body, hopefully with different colored smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and, uh, and um, while, while Yamcha's saying, man, this gravity here sucks, doesn't it? And Goku's like, yeah, it does suck. But mine, mine sucks even harder because I'm training to, to uh, travel to Namek. So at this point, he, he spots us that Vegeta is on Namek, and he needs to go there so he can save Krillin and the others. And um, word is that there's somebody even stronger than Vegeta there. So this freaks out King Kai says, do you know of this person? His name's not Frieza, is it? And Goku kind of shrugs his shoulders um, inaudibly and says, I don't know. So King Kai, he checks to see who was exactly on the planet, since it's Frieza, and he is so frightened that lightning strikes him, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, and he just says, okay, Goku, listen to me. You always think you can, you can be, be the best and overcome any challenge. You can't do this one. Stay away from him. Just grab your friends and run. Go. Forget about the Dragon Balls. Just run away as far as you can. I'm not telling you this for your sake. If you anger Frieza, his wrath will destroy galaxies, entire cosmoses. Get away from him as, as far as possible. Do not even look at him. Goku's like, why not? Come on. Can I? And, and King Kai basically says, no, you may not. So... So at this point, Piccolo says, don't worry, Goku, I'll train here, get stronger than you, and we'll take them down together. Hey, boy, train us now. Um, and so, after a little bit of goading and lying for Piccolo, King Kai says, okay, I'll train you, just tell me a joke first. And so the great joke contest began. <laughs> Yamcha and Chao Tzu proved themselves to be quite funny. Of course, Tien and Piccolo are having the hardest time getting King Kai to laugh. Krillin is trying to keep his power low, flying to uh, the Green and Elder's house, because if he goes at full speed, Vegeta will sense his energy. So at one point when they think Vegeta is onto them, they start to hide, but Vegeta actually ends up sensing Zarbon instead. Once Krillin realizes that Zarbon and Vegeta are about to fight, he just guns it for the, for the Green Elder's house as fast as possible. Vegeta and Zarbon run into each other, and after a, a bit of talk, and says, Hey, I killed Adoria, now it's your turn, pretty boy. They start to battle, and uh, Vegeta proves that he's pretty much stronger than stronger than Zarbon at this point. He gets him down. To, he gets him down to um, a lower island, and pretty much starts kicking and making fun of him. Where Zarbon says, "Yeah, you're strong, but you've just awakened a power that's lain dormant in me for years. I can transform." Uh, Vegeta doesn't believe this until Zarbon starts to bug out, and he gets larger, more powerful, beefier. He looks like a frog, and has this. Yeah, I was just about to say, he has this very frog-like, uh, weird-looking face. And it's an odd character beat, but he even notices, uh, he mentions how ugly he looks now. So you get the idea that yeah. he's very vain. I mean, also with his, like, necklace on the forehead thing, you kind of get that idea also. Yeah, he says he's, uh, he's been so, so proud of his beauty that he doesn't like transforming because it makes him ugly. But the only reason he does it is so he can kick Vegeta's ass, which he probably does. He brutalizes Vegeta pretty badly. And they have, they have a oh, he headbutts the crap out of him, man. Vegeta's... I love that scene. No, he headbutts him like eight times. It just, I'm keep waiting for it to cut, and he's just whack, whack, whack. <laughs> like, when is the scene over? He's still headbutting him. There's blood everywhere. 
it, it is awesome. Like Vegeta tries to stay alive, but he just can't do it. And at one point, Zarbon gets him sort of like a like a a body clinch and just plummets him down into the water. Um, actually, he, no, no, he he plummets him down into the ground. Where he goes right through the water. So Zarbon says, "Well, that's the end of that. I better report to Frieza. He'll be happy now that Vegeta is dead." But Vegeta isn't dead. He does rise out of the water and, and just vows to become stronger still. Um, at this point, we see one of Frieza's lesser-known goons, uh, Apul. Uh, you know, pun for apple. You see what they did there. Uh, he sees the village that Vegeta attacked and notices that there is a Dragon Ball missing. So he goes back to report to Frieza. While there, Zarbon says that he didn't... He did fight uh, Vegeta, but he didn't know if he... He doesn't know if he killed him or not because he fell in the water and Zarbon doesn't like to get wet because he's, he's a vain SOB. Um, once Apul comes in and says, you know, there's a Dragon Ball missing, Frieza says... Okay, call the Ginyu Force, get them over there, tell them to bring scouters, and they should be here in about five days. Zarbon, get Vegeta back here so we can heal him in and find out what he knows of where the Dragon Ball is. And Zarbon's like, whoa, 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 isn't this a bit premature? I mean, it's just Vegeta, sir. We, we can take him on. And Frieza reveals that he's had a feeling for a while that there is a Saiyan that's, that's, been, that, that's been building up, you know, becoming very, very strong. And he needs to uh, eliminate all Saiyans. It's, it's important that none of them survive. Even if, even if there is, like, you know, some backwater guy and his son out there in the boonies called Earth. Um, so while this is going on, Zarbon does manage to uh, pick up an unconscious Vegeta and fly him back to Frieza's headquarters. Um, Krillin and Dende uh, fly off. You get the sense that, that a day has passed. And um, they fly for a little bit and meet the Grand Elder's house. Krillin and Dende are greeted by Nail, who is, um, out of all the Namics, he's the one that looks closest to Piccolo, although he has a long black vest. And says that the Great Elder has sensed that sense of all what's going on in the planet and invites him inside. Krillin and Dende go inside the the long uh, building, which is on top of a, a very very vertical mountain, and see this this big ginormous Jabba the Hutt looking fat Namekian, <laughs> who just towers above them with with the Dragon Ball at the top of his chair and says, "Welcome, you must be from Earth. I shall thank you for saving my child, Dende." Uh, to be continued. Dum, dum, dum. So, going all the way back to, um, where do we leave off? We leave off to uh, the battle with Vegeta, between Dodoria and Vegeta. What were your thoughts on that and the events that transpired from there? I really liked the battle. I like how basically manhandled him. And I thought mm-hmm. uh, juxtapositioning the fight with Zorban, it was really good. Because obviously you kind of expect the same thing, and that goes in a different direction. But uh, I thought that, I, no- I was noticing on the earlier part of the episode that or the earlier, I guess, episode twenty-one-ish. A lot of the, a lot of Frieza's men have a kind of amphibian type look to them, uh, which I don't yeah. know if that's like a like a, a theme saying. running throughout them. But uh, Dodoria kind of has like a blowfish type look, and Zorban once he transforms, like I kind of mentioned, he kind of looks like a frog. So I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty cool to kind of give them a, a distinct look. They like, everybody looks different, but there's there's also kind of you can kind of think they maybe came from the same planet or same cluster of planets. Well, it's like, um, you mentioned the same cluster of planets. The, the, the guy I mentioned earlier who got fried by that one Namekian accidentally, um, a pool, <laughs> I like a pool. He's actually, he's actually a playable character one of the games, but a pool looks just like that guy. So you got the sense that either they were brothers or whatever, but, um, yeah, there's, there's a sort of like octopus kind of look to some of these guys. Kui, 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 whatever his name is. 
the purple guy from the last episode, <laughs> we kind of said he looked like a fish, and I absolutely agree that that Zarbon transformed looks like a bulky frog. That that, that face is really, really weird looking. Zar- Zarbon, I, I think Zarbon transforming looks, looks kind of like we talk about how these guys don't really look so scary. I think he does look kind of intimidating. And I think it's it's cool because um, I didn't expect we, that coming from that character, because he is like the pretty character, right? And so it's it's something interesting and something unique. Like he even mentions, you know, he's like, oh well, we don't get all like I don't get all big like you do. But he basically transforms, and he gets, he gets buffer, but he doesn't he doesn't become like you know obviously like a giant ape. Yeah, then Vegeta said, you know, what, what are you gonna do? Tell me you can t- turn into a gigantic ape? No, it's just a gigantic frog. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen, but if only. Now, the interesting thing going back into the uh, Dodoria fight, they he you know he he reveals to Vegeta, hey, Frieza killed your planet, lols. Um, I distinct I was talking about this to my brother earlier today. I distinctly remember that in the original cut. Of the uh, ocean dub, or the or the, even the Funimation dub, Vegeta when when he, when Dodoria tells him this, and then originally Dodoria says, "Well, I don't care about any of that." Vegeta said in the original dub, "I already knew that Frieza killed uh, my family," which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. Oh, uh, on one <laughs> hand, yeah, why would because uh, Vegeta believe him, and on another hand, yeah, why would he? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, if that were the case, why would he work for somebody? Who is who? I guess unless he was just completely scared of Frieza in the past. He does mention later on to Zarbon because Zarbon at one point says, "Why are you so angry against Frieza?" It's not like he's it's not. It's not like he killed your family or anything. <laughs> and um, Vegeta says he always hated him because he, as a saying, he naturally hates people who are stronger than him. <laughs> he explains his whole thing with Goku. But um, it's just I find it interesting because you make a good point. Why does he believe Dodoria? Because Dodoria clearly would say anything he, he would. That he would yeah, like in that situation, he wants alive. any advantage he can have. Right, because he, he's about to snap in half. Um, but what, what's interesting is that, like, there were a couple of things I, I, I noticed from the anime where Vegeta... He, he kind of told more about Vegeta than Vegeta was saying. Like, for instance, when they first meet each other, Dar- Dodoria says... He calls him a Saiyan freak. And Vegeta, at that point, like, the shot is focused on Vegeta. And um, he's smiling at that point. But once once the word Saiyan freak comes out, Vegeta stops smiling and starts, you know, kind of threatening him and all that stuff, which I found interesting. And also, he's clearly surprised when, um, when Dodoria tells him the news. Like, like it, it does resonate with him a little bit. Like, there's a look of genuine, I'm, I'm not going to say shock or awe or whatever, but he is like, he didn't know that, which apparently they cut out the original dub for no reason. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to see Vegeta like that. Like, it's sort of like this familial thing where he says he didn't care. And he, and he actually says the reason why he, he was giving that look is because he hated the idea of his life being in the hands of Frieza even more, which I, I found an interesting motivation for yeah, him. Yeah, it's it's odd to see him kind of being vulnerable in that he did you know, information he didn't know or having, like, an emotional reaction no matter how subtle it is to a situation. Right. I mean, he... I, it, it must suck. On some level, it must suck to be a prince of a, of a whole warrior race have that gone and basically work for this douchebag this, this pink looking guy with the horns i mean I, I i can kind of i can understand why he would be so mad but um i i i think that there's there is definitely a sense of um but okay, vegeta's evil but there's definitely a sense of second pride to him where whether whether it's just you know him not wanting to work for frieza or his family going away his family dying because of frieza so, something about that gets to him which i think that He's he's not exactly saying, but you kind of read into it. Yeah, and I think that on um, you know, kind of puts him in a a league above Frieza as far as 
not necessarily morality, but as far as yeah, yeah, as far as it gives him more motivation and it gives him more resonance with with the audience because you know it's like yeah, a couple episodes ago or you know the, in the last series ago he was purely the, you know the the character you know the big bad and now we're starting to see more facets of his personality. So yeah, he's he's a very evil person, but he does have pride for his people and his family, which a lot of Absolutely people can relate to. So innately you're going to feel more for the character, more empathy towards the character. You can kind of see how how he became who he was because he, I mean even if we're going on the idea that what he says, you know, I didn't care about my parents um which which he probably didn't but like it, it does inform his personality you know obviously not only when he gets stronger but his motivation i i gotta get i need to stop working for this guy i need to get away from him i, I need to kill him somehow somehow i need to like just get away from him and eternal life might just be the way to do that now we get here we get here the, the definitive ex not the definitive explanation but like vegeta definitely saying i learned to sense energy through my battle with uh Goku essentially, and they, and they don't, don't they even show a scene from like the Kamehameha Galaxy? Yeah, they do show struggle? like a flashback, I believe, like a like a quick snippet. Okay, yeah, that is, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about that? Cause I, I'm not, I'm struggling to to, to to imagine how that works out. I mean, you 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 might as in how he was able to sense it. I'm not sure because because yeah, the, the insinuation is that like through that flashback, like, through that specific scene. He was able to do it, and I, I don't. I, I'm not, at least right now, I don't remember any point where he watched them. Well, I guess he did watch them since Goku when he was coming back, back down. But I'm not sure. What, what do you think about that? Because we we have it now in the series. We talked about it earlier, but we have it. We have the characters. Well, wasn't there the now. scene where the um, the heroes were sensing where the what were they called the not the Senzu men the uh, Tabu men? They were kind of sensing where they were, and you kind of and you heard. Piccolo telling Gohan how to do that. Oh yeah. So perhaps you know Vegeta was also listening in on that, and I imagine if you can see energy, uh, for these characters it's almost like an aura or like something visual they can pick up, or even like you know an extra sense. So if Vegeta's noticing and studying them, kind of like what Daniel was saying in his email, it's something he could pick up if he were able to do it. But granted. In most of the instances when he's fighting, like he did say, particularly when he's fighting Goku, I don't see any instances where he would be able to like study that because he was fighting for his life the entire time. You know. No, that's, that's interesting. That like when Gohan was taking notes, Vegeta was taking notes. Because because um, at that point he was still like, a very observant character, and he was he was pretty very much in the background and manipulating. I mean, he, he says I, when when they're sensing Goku come back, Piccolo, Krillin, and Gohan are sensing Goku come back. He says. Can they sense energy? And even back back when the Namex were fighting, Dodoro was like, you know, I've heard of some aliens that can sense energy, or no, no, I heard of some aliens that, that can hide their energy, which is also kind of goes kind of goes hand in hand. So I mean, it, there does seem to be a, a sort of monkey see monkey do aspect to this. I mean, they're talking about it, so I can't say that this kind of come out from nowhere. Although you wish you do wish it was it was a little bit more defined, or at least I do. Yeah, I do too, it, because I I dig on stuff. I I, I dig on the, like the semantics of how how it's going to work. And at the same time, I do kind of wonder, is it something only Saiyans can do? Like, as far as, like, picking it up from others? Is that a uniquely Saiyan skill to be able to say, okay, here's how you do it? Just like Gohan was able to pick it up from Piccolo telling him how to do it. 
Right, yeah. Because Pickle Pickles is the kind of guy who can train somebody. But at the same that. time, like uh, none of these other creatures seem to be able to do it, you know, and are generally surprised when Vegeta is able to hide his, or not necessarily hide his power level, but be a lot more stronger than they were last time. Yeah, they're completely. I mean, this this is a whole thing. Like, pretty much, Frieza's whole plan was screwed by the the elder Namek because. They're, they're like, you know, oh, we can't find this without Scouter. We can't find that without a Scouter. Call the Ginyu Force and get them down with the Scouters, please. Like, like they're completely in the dark. Like, they, they really don't know what to do. So, like, it's interesting that, like, Toriyama is building upon this whole energy thing with with, with, with a bad guy, actually, which is an interesting way to do it. Now, my question is, or my, my kind of inquiry is, if Vegeta can get beat up and end up being stronger, is that a uniquely Saiyan trait? So would that also work for Goku? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that that that's that that has worked for Goku. Then, in fact, uh, when Vegeta, Vegeta Vegeta never shuts up about that, and like later on, Krillin's like, "Oh, that's why Goku got so 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 strong all those times." There was never. I'm trying to think back in Dragon Ball. There was never a sense. There was never when he got stronger. You, there was always, you know, he trained and trained and stuff like that. When when he would go through a fight, he there was never comments that like a a a, a brush with death would make him stronger, like. He would just like like he would like for instance that when he went up against King Piccolo the first time he got beat up he got he nearly died and then he got healed and then he went to train and he got stronger you can infer that like he got stronger partly because of that Saiyan trait of dying or no getting stronger each time you nearly die so it there it is that is a very a very Saiyan trait that is a very inherently Saiyan trait um, although this is the first time we're actually like explicitly saying it yeah because I was just wondering if, if it had been attributed to Goku. Because I assumed, because obviously he's been getting stronger in general, as Vegeta has also. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like, okay, Vegeta clearly got stronger after his fight with Goku. Goku was in the hospital, so his, his injuries, you know, stayed with him for like at least a month. He got a senzu bean, and he was, he, he, he talks about in, the, in our coverage, he's mastering the gravity faster and faster. He says, you know, I got done with, with 20 times gravity faster than I thought. I got done with 30 times gravity faster than I thought. Okay, let's go up to 50 times gravity. So, like... And I, I think I think the narrator might say that like he doesn't know that he's getting stronger each time he trains, but he is. It is due to part of his saying abilities. I, I didn't I didn't mention this because it was really important. But like there was a brief scene where Vegeta nearly finds Gohan, Krillin, and Dende, and he I think it's after he kills Adoria um, that he says, um, "I'm not I'm not sure what's going on." Or no, he says, "I'm not sure if I still need time to to use my ability to sense energy." I'm not sure if I've really worked this out yet because he's he's totally not he's totally kind of in the dark whether he senses them or not. And of course, it turns out to be a gigantic fish, which I do like. I like the fact that like he doesn't automatically know how to do it yet. He's unsure of himself, and he just needs more time with it. This is what my my note was. We do get like Vegeta going on, a, on a, onto a Saiyan village, and then we cut back to like our heroes, and then we cut back to Vegeta getting a Dragon Ball. It goes back to what we said earlier about how yeah, Vegeta does kill his people, but it's it's not explicitly shown really he wastes the entire village and like i think it does make I, I think if you did see what he does to the villagers which is essentially like what frieza and zoria and zarban did but because you don't see it it does sort of it, it does make it a little bit easier to, to to at least stomach watching him be the, be the yeah it kind of it, ma- yeah, it makes it easier to see him in a less evil light because while the atrocities have been committed you you're, you haven't seen him you know yeah he's he's not it's it's all after the fact. I mean, he's a bad guy. They're not taking away him being a bad guy. They're not ta- they're not taking away his personality just for the story's sake. But it's a way in which 
you don't have to like. I mean, if you saw you, you couldn't root for Dodoria or Frieza. I don't think if they're in a situation that he was like the situation with the Zarbon or trying to figure out where the Dragon Ball was. You, you really couldn't. I forgot what they did to those other guys. Oh yeah, there's one note I had. Uh, there was this, there was this one scene where they're ta- Dende is talking about the Grand Elder, and he mentions that like the Grand Elder has birthed the current population of Namek. And Bumble's like, how is that possible? Well, Namekians lay eggs through their mouths. It's just, oh, okay, they're women. What's yeah, he, he can't <laughs> grasp the idea of a gender. Meaning that all Namekians are male. Um, there, there's a fan theory that they don't have genitalia, which I, I don't Well, really would they all necessarily be male, or would they just be asexual? I think asexual would be a, a, a more Can, accurate... When, when dealing uh, with a hypothetical alien life form, if there's no female to base them off of, would they yeah. be considered male or simply... Neither. Oh no! Well, now this is this. Okay, I will fully throw my admit that like um, I currently am reading the Viz uh, produced manga, translated version of the manga, and as best as 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 close as it can get, the it doesn't translate all all one hundred percent well, just because of the nature of you know the Japanese language and the English language. Dende does say that like when he's describing the the the, the elder Namek, the elder Namek is the um, the parents of, or maybe maybe it was in the maybe it was in Kai. I, I know at one point Dennis said, you know, like the Grand Elder is the parent of all of his brothers and sisters, which would infer two two genders. But then he's like, I don't know what a woman is. God, I don't I don't know what, what I don't know how to explain that. Um, I, I like I like your idea better that there's not really a gender within the Mechans. It's just they're just there. They just fight. Although they, they certainly. Uh, they certainly um, express. Yeah, they can have mustaches. Traits, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, I mean, if you want to get, if I get nitty gritty with it, you know, that's, men, women can do that too. <laughs> you just prefer them not to. Hey, hey, speak for yourself. Uh, uh, I'd rather not you. speak about it at all. Now, what did, what did you think about uh, seeing uh, the original Z Fighters back? I was uh, legitimately planet? surprised. Once I saw them there, I I kind of had a memory of seeing them training with him, like remembering watching an episode or two in the past. But that came as a legitimate yeah. surprise. I was like, okay, you know, they're showing Kikai again. And they showed the shadows, obviously I knew who it was. But I was like, oh, cool, they're going to, you know, they're making an appearance. Even if they're not back, in, back to life, they're, they're showing up in the series again. So those characters haven't been forgotten. So I was, I was quite pleased with seeing them again. I like how they introduced them where, like, he is at the shadows. And then it shows, like, Yamcha's scar, Tien's three, third eye, Piccolo's ears, and, like, Chaotu's red dot on his face. <laughs> These weirdos. <laughs> Although I agree with you that like it does keep in mind because Chris Krillin earlier in the in, early in the episodes is sort of like sulking like you know like I feel bad for the guys who died but you know I'm not sure how much we can we can handle with this. It kind of reminds the audience what they're fighting for and I, and I like the fact that that not not only they um, got there faster got the, they went through Snake Way faster than Goku did but they want harder training because if you think about it they were stronger than Goku was when he first went to King Kai's place. Because like they had, you know, they were t- tough, tougher than Raditz, and they beat the Cybermen and stuff like that. So I like the fact that like, even even in death, they're they're getting stronger. You know, hinting for future battles with them. I won't say whether they do or not, because they'll be brought back to life, of course. But you know, just just in case they might. They, they yeah. Now, if they never brought, get brought back to life, then it'd be pretty much wasted for them. But <laughs> yeah. you got so yeah, strong, got for nothing. <laughs> and we gotta stay here and tell jokes. <laughs> I, oh, I got I got input the sound clip. It's, it's bad. Um, <laughs> I remember in the ocean dub, and there's a filler scene where we do <laughs> see them try to tell jokes. 
because Tien and Piccolo are obviously the, the most serious serious characters. And although, unfortunately, we don't see Piccolo try to tell any jokes, we do see Tien give a shot. And, like, there's this one really overly dramatic scene where, like, he tells uh, King Kai, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish! <laughs> and, like, I think King Kai gets struck by lightning. He's like, oh! Ah! And, like, laughs, and it's just... It's 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 no- notorious in how wacky it is. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I wish it was in Kai. And after that uh, is the Zarbon battle, which... I've not seen in years, and I missed it because I have really not seen cool. that fight in decades. <laughs> decades, even uh, because you are that old. <laughs> but no, like, like, I mean, you said you liked it, but like, would you do you have any more thoughts on like the expectations? You know how it was, go- how it, you know. Uh, how I it didn't was really progress. I hadn't got a full grasp on the power levels compared to Dodoria, so I was like, okay, well, how, this can go one or two ways: he can either whoop his ass, or he can, you know, win. Or he could lose, and right. I was quite surprised when he started transforming because I was like, okay, well, I guess this is going to go that way, and Dodoria didn't have any kind of transformation, and he he won very, very easily against him, so once he did that, I was like, okay, cool, this this just got interesting, and once again, it kind of seems like Vegeta's on an on a upward slope, and then gets knocked back down a few pegs, and has to kind of, he's very resilient, you know, he's very much has to kind of battle the tide even though he's a you know antagonist he has to fight his way through what he wants um no yeah i agree i agree with you. this is this is, i was sort of speaking about this a uh, couple of episodes back where like you know we're, we're seeing Vegeta's perspective his his quest to find the dragon balls it's not always meet freeze lackey brag about his power and then kill him easily which which i really like i mean he is stronger than zarbon's initial form but he gets he gets his ass kicked <laughs> when he goes up against Transformers Zarbon, and it's really cool because like it's back to the kind of fighting I like where he's struggling he's he's struggling really hard and like um I mean you know he there's that one moment where he he first gets grabbed and he just elbows the crap out of Zarbon's gut and just just trying to get away and kind of floats to the ground and then so Zarbon shoots an energy blast at him and he his body kind of just like, kind of flies away. Because he can barely stay conscious. It's, it's really... The animation was really nice, I thought. And, like, the action scene... Uh, it's a short fight, but it, it's, as short as it is, it's, it's yeah, really I quite Yeah, like I was saying earlier, the headbutting. Uh, it was pretty brutal, and, I mean, he got his, his butt handed to him. He really did. And then, of course, Zorban does the classic, <laughs> you know... Oh, well, uh, I'm pretty sure he's dead. I'm not going to go check, but I'm pretty sure he's dead. I know. <laughs> Which I, I like the fact that Frieza called him like, like, why don't you know? You didn't check, did you? Why didn't you check? <laughs> like, come on now. Uh, it's like, even if he did survive, he's too injured. Um, oh, we, we should also mention that Zarbon does mention, uh, Zarbon does give a little bit of foreshadowing that Frieza has the ability to transform as well. Which is a pretty... I mean, Frieza's right, right now is really powerful. The, the idea that he can get even more powerful than that, that is a pretty, pretty scary. <laughs> but, um... Um, and also, I mean, before we get to the the, the, the elder guru, we get hints of like uh, Frieza's aspirations, and uh, basically, I like how his lackeys are like, "Why are you calling the Guinea Force? It's not that big of a deal, is it?" And like he, Frieza, Frieza's scared, or if he's not scared, he's a bit ner- he's a bit unsure of the future. In that, Vegeta's giving them so much trouble, and they do mention they actually mentioned that like they they're aware of Goku and Gohan's presence because basically they were eavesdropping in his uh, scatter transmission. But I like the fact that you know, Frieza. We get we get a we get a lot of development on Frieza's motivations without him actually saying. Other characters kind of saying it, and then at the end here, 
Frieza basically kind of monologues in his, in his mind, like why he's sort of like kind of rushing on to kill all the Saiyans. Yeah, it, see, uh, it not it doesn't seem like he's necessarily scared, but it comes off more as if he were just kind of he doesn't like variables and he's unsure. Yeah, he 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 he's very much like you know like like take care of this thing. No leaving people to you know to whether to live or die. You know, make sure they're dead. Get the job done. He's very very clinical, he, and it's very much like a almost a total subversion of a bad guy. Uh, in that, like, he, he he doesn't leave things to chance. He doesn't assume, you know, get the Ginyu Force down here, uh, make sure they all bring scouters, and uh, let's 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 end this. Let's let's end our little vacation here in Namek. Ending this, what were you thinking about the uh, the revelation of who the uh, Elder uh, is? Jabba was cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Krillin's reaction. Like, oh, that's him. <laughs> it was almost like a who. Yeah, he's. <laughs> If if they can't if they can't if they don't eat if they don't eat food and they only drink water how is it like, so yeah fast? How, how much water are you drinking dude got a lot yeah, of water like, what kind of water is it yeah <laughs> but uh, I was, like that you can address stuff. that when um I forget the I forget the Namekian that's with him I forget his name but, he even says he's like well, why are you still here this place is pretty conspicuous and he says well in his state he can't move and I'm gotta stay here to protect him yeah nail 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 is a badass. <laughs> He's awesome, and um, he's he's one of the I think he's one of the cooler characters from the Namek Saga. Um, he first of all he looks exa- I mean, I, credit to Toriyama because he's drawn all these Namekians without I think like the, like the younger Namekians that fought earlier, they were all pretty distinctive, but I don't think they looked exactly like Piccolo. This guy's the first Namekian that does look just like Piccolo, but automatically he's different. He doesn't just because he looks like him. He, he's he's different despite the, his his you know nearly identical face. And Krillin even says, wow, he looks just like Piccolo, which is cool. But yeah, I, I like the fact that, like, you know, we have... First of all, Krillin finally happens upon a Dragon Ball that's, that's not yeah. talking about the bad guys, which is nice. And it's really like, you know, like, oh, we gotta tell you the Grand Elder. It's, it is kind of kind of Star Wars in a bit. You know, you know, just because he looks like Jabba the Hutt, there is a bit of, like, we gotta go to Cloud City to do this or that or whatever. Kind of a travelogue kind of thing. Oh, I quit. Ken, come on, you can't give up. Use this one. Nice do you really think that will make King Kai laugh? If that doesn't do it, I just don't know what will. All right. I'm ready. Come on, Jin. Make him laugh. Do it! You got it! Alright! Now! You can tune... Uh, what was next? You can tune... Huh? never felt pressure like this. I must focus. Focus. Huh? What was that? Uh, <sighs> oh no! He's powering up now! <laughs> uh, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a bitch! <laughs> Did you catch all of that? Hawk, did you catch all of that?
That that's all the notes I have, and unless you got anything else, we can kind of wrap this up. Uh, no, no. I'm looking forward to see where it goes from here, because it's it's a jumping off point where you know you don't know what Vegeta is going to do next. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the Elder. Uh, Veg- you know, Krillin and Piccolo, or Krillin and Gohan are still kind of up in the air. So I'm, I think we're knee deep in it right now, and I can't wait to see how how where it goes. Okay, so uh, next episode we will cover. Starting from uh, Dragon Ball Z Kai, episodes 25 through 29. If you're following along from the original anime, we'll be covering episodes uh, 41 through 49. If you're going by the manga, we're going on, on chapters 71 through 81. So uh, tune, in for the, tune in for the next episode. Uh, <laughs> it's going to get worse. <laughs> oh, and worse. I, 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 don't, I don't mean by, like, you know, like it's going to suck, but, like, it's, it's going to get even more dire. So, uh... Tune in. Um, so, uh, for for the both of us, Jesse, any final thoughts before we break for the summer? And uh, I wanted a Mechian mustache. <laughs> that, was, that was a mighty it mustache. Was, yeah, it wasn't like a measly world. mustache. No, it was uh, it was manly. Like, <laughs> well, he's not a man. They don't have a gender as well. All right, you guys, take care. We'll see Peace. you next time. Keep on listening. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. You can find the show and leave feedback at www.dbcnextdimension.lipson.com That's www.dbcnextdimension.lipson.com Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball GT are all owned by Funimation, Toy Animation, Fuji TV, and Akira Toriyama. Dragon Ball is created by Akira Toriyama. Thank you.